There are mounting industry concerns over a new maritime requirement in California that could endanger mariners' lives and disrupt port operations. So what sparked this emission compliance battle? I'm Veronica Judo. Let's get started. This is In America Today from the Ticker News Studios in New York City. Hello and welcome. Coming up, former President Donald Trump and former United Nations Ambassador Nikki Haley are making their final pushes ahead of the crucial New Hampshire primary. But first, California's maritime sector is an essential part to America's role in the global economy and supply chain. But a new controversial state mandate is making waves. The California Air Resources Board is requiring all operators of commercial harbor craft to install diesel filters to try and decrease diesel emissions in busy ports like Los Angeles and Long Beach. For more, we're joined by Jennifer Carpenter, the president and CEO of the American Waterways Operators. Jennifer, thanks so much for your time today. Thanks for having me. So first, let's talk a little bit about your industry. How do tugboats and other commercial harborcraft keep uh, the West Coast ports like Los Angeles and Long Beach moving? They are an absolutely crucial link in the supply chain. 40% of U.S. imports and exports pass through California ports, and all of those are enabled by tugboats, commercial harbor craft that assist big ships in moving to and from port. Um, harbor craft also are important to dredging, keeping ports deep enough for these big ships to enter. So it's this very small sliver of the supply chain that has an outsized impact on America's everyday lives. Now, your organization has been challenging a new rule by the California Air Resources Board. It's uh, CARB, C-A-R-B, for some time. What does this rule do and how could it affect port operations? Yeah, thanks for asking. So California regulators have chosen to take action that could sever this critical link in the supply chain by requiring vessel owners to install technology that is not commercially available, that has not been certified as safe for useless operate those vessels. So you mentioned diesel particulate filters. They don't exist commercial craft. They haven't been certified by safety regulators. The U.S. Coast Guard, which is the federal agency that oversees vessel owner safety, has expressed concerns about this mandate, and yet California regulators are barreling on with it. So how much could it cost for ship owners to upgrade their engines and then retrofit their ships with these DPFs? So it could cost this small segment of the industry less than 200 tugboats, more than a billion dollars to come in into compliance with the rule, not only the cost, it is the lack of availability and the safety implications. In other words, even if a vessel owner 
have the ability to spend the resources to get this done, they literally cannot buy this equipment because it's not for sale. And one of the reasons it's not is because the safety issues that it poses, very high temperatures that could cause fires, have not yet been satisfactorily addressed. What's the timeline for this? By the end of the year. And so what we are saying is California regulators, Governor Newsom, the legislature, people need to hit pause and go back and correct the very serious problems with this rule that could endanger mariners' lives and threaten the efficient functioning of the supply chain and the delivery of vital imports and exports. How much emissions come from tugboats and towboats uh, in the industry? Yeah, a lot of people don't realize the extent to which maritime transportation is the most sustainable mode of transportation. So barges, maritime produces 43% less greenhouse gas emissions than rail, 832% less than truck. We are part of the solution to moving more sustainably. And that does not mean that we are not committed to getting even better, but we need regulations that are going to reduce emissions while protecting mariner safety and that uh, require technology that has been certified as safe, that is commercially available, and that vessel owners can install. Now, you mentioned that they have not been deemed uh, officially safe yet. So in terms of installing some of the DPFs on tugboats, what would happen if these pieces are installed and what could possibly go wrong? Yeah, you know, the trucking industry um, offers a really scary example. When DPFs were first introduced for trucks, they were linked to numerous fires. Um, now that's bad enough when you're in a truck, but at least there is the possibility of pulling over to the side of the road and safely escaping from your vehicle. A mariner piloting a tugboat through a busy port or harbor doesn't have the ability to do that. So not only do we face a risk of a fire on board a vessel, which could hurt or kill the people working on that vessel, that fire could also so render the vessel out of control, which could lead to um, oil spills, collisions, um, bigger problems than the rule is even trying to solve. Again, this is not something that has to happen. Governor Newsom, California legislature can say, time out, we need to fix this, not scrap it, fix it and get to where we need to be safely. With about 30 seconds left, could ship owners leave California when these rules are enforced? If they can't see a path to compliance with the rules, absolutely. Vessels are mobile assets. And, you know, vessel owners serving California want to serve the state. They want to serve their customers. But ultimately, if they can't comply with the rules, they'll have to go work somewhere else where they can comply and where they can do business safely. Jennifer Carpenter, really interesting conversation. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you for having me.
Former President Donald Trump and former United Nations Ambassador Nikki Haley are making their final pushes ahead of the crucial New Hampshire primary. Voters will head to the polls for the second GOP primary of Now we've got to talk about some hard truths. Donald Trump's remaining Republican rival, Nikki Haley, made a final campaign push on Monday in New Hampshire, a day before the state's presidential primary election. As you go to vote tomorrow, this really is an option. Do you want more of the same? Or do you want to go forward? 70%, 70% of Americans have said they don't want a Trump-Biden rematch. The 52-year-old former UN ambassador had at least five planned events on Monday. Analysts have said the key to her success is voter turnout, with a politically moderate state's large number of independent voters allowed to take part in Tuesday's ballot. New Hampshire may be Haley's last chance to prove she could be a viable alternative to Trump. In the first nominating contest last week in Iowa, the former president coasted to a record-setting victory. How are you, everybody? And polls show Trump leads Haley in New Hampshire by double digits. We're leading by a lot. By contrast, the 77-year-old held just one event on Monday. Trump continued urging his supporters to turn up for the ballot in hope of killing off Haley's chances of an upset. He's been trying to portray Haley's gains in state polls as improper because they reflect growing support among independents. He's also falsely claimed registered Democrats would be allowed to vote in the Republican primary. You got a lot of Democrats voting for her. You have a crazy election. Let's all get out and let's vote for somebody that we want to run against. They want to run against because she's so easy to beat. In a dark turn of events, robocalls have also been doing the rounds in the state with fake audio of President Joe Biden telling Democrats to stay home on Tuesday. White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre. That call was indeed uh, fake and not recorded by the president. I can confirm that. Uh, and so I just want to be really careful since it doesn't, uh, it is a primary election. The president has been clear that there are risks associated with deep fakes. Uh, fake images and uh, misinformation can be exacerbated uh, by emerging technologies. Trump's campaign said it was absolutely not involved in the robocall. The state's attorney general announced an investigation, saying the calls were, quote, an unlawful attempt to disrupt the New Hampshire presidential primary election and to suppress New Hampshire voters. The S&P 500 posted a second straight record high close. This comes as investors await an advanced fourth quarter GDP print for possible clues on the U.S. central bank's next policy decision. The S&P 500 hit a record high close for a second straight session on Monday. Tech stocks added to recent gains and investors awaited upcoming corporate reports for clues on this year's profit outlook. The Dow climbed about four-tenths of one percent, the S&P 500 rose two-tenths, and the Nasdaq gained three-tenths. The S&P 500 confirmed a bull market on Friday after posting a record high close for the first time in two years. An index of semiconductors hit a fresh all-time high, as did NVIDIA. Kevin Mon, president and chief investment officer with Henyon and Walsh Asset Management, said he thinks the market has gotten ahead of itself. The S&P 500 and the Dow Jones Industrial Average have hit all-time highs yet again. Unfortunately, what comes with that is excessive valuations, as the S&P 500 is now trading at a P.E. above 
23. Now, that doesn't mean that the market can't or won't move higher. It just means that attractively valued stocks are going to be a little bit more difficult to find. Other stocks on the move included Archer Daniels Midland, which dropped more than 20% after placing its CFO on administrative leave for an investigation and cutting its full-year profit forecast. And Gilead Sciences, which lost 10% after its cancer drug missed the main goal in a late-stage study. Stay with us. More ticker coming up.